Oh, Peaky fans. Oh, the time has come. We've been waiting so long to get Tommy Shelby back on our screens. And here we are, Daniel Gilman, Josh Levy. So happy to be with you. Another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. And Josh, this might be the closest podcast episode we've had to talking about Peaky Blinders without talking about Peaky Blinders. We're here. We saw Oppenheimer starring Killian Murphy, and we are so excited to share it with all of you guys. Did did your theater clap? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Dude, it was that's that's really. I mean, that's all I really got to say. That kind of sums it up right there. I mean, that was that was. I I told you earlier that was the best movie I've seen since Dark Knight, and I'm not even trying to tie it to Christopher Nolan. He just he's he's put himself in that tier to be a top movie maker, you know. So, uh, just incredible film. The ability, I mean, we'll we'll dive into it, but the ability to have the audience and myself included on the edge of your seat from the first minute of the movie until the last, and that includes a three-hour time span, is masterful. It's just masterful, and that that really encapsulates how good this movie was. Was the ability to to do that because there's a lot of times when you lose your attention span in a three-hour movie, but not this one. All right, so let's let's build it up here. I will say on top of that, to do all of that without an action sequence, because every movie nowadays is a Marvel movie or a Batman movie. You know, it's got all these these crazy five, six Mission Impossible. You know, all these good movies have these action sequences and for it to do it without that. I'll say more more recently, it was the best movie I've seen since Top Gun 2. Top, Tom Cruise and Christopher Nolan just kind of run movies for me. And Josh, Let's let's bring everybody into our experience, right? I live in a small town. I went to a small town movie theater on Friday night, primetime seating, biggest, you know, theater in, you know, the theater two is the bigger one with all the seats, all that stuff. It was so cool to see a place that had been so dormant for years and years that I have grown up loving to go to the movie theaters. And, you know, as a kid, every Saturday or Friday night, you'd go to the movie theaters. It was popping and obviously barbie was a lot to thank for that it was filled with people excited to either see barbie or oppenheimer and it was just great i i i think that we really need these these films to come out rivaling each other more often so that there can be more of a two-prong approach from a from a, a a theater going perspective um but here we go josh let's jump in oppenheimer you know, based off of a book called American Prometheus, written in 2007. So the writing credit goes to obviously Christopher Nolan and then Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin. And in the research that I've done in the last few days, the book and the script are written in the first person, which is really interesting. So instead of reading Oppenheimer walks to the window, it reads, I walk to the window. So all of the, the actors, as they're kind of going through their script, have, have come out on social media to say it was it was really, we all got to live it through Oppenheimer's lens when reading the script. And when I read that, that was just such a, a key to me to open it up because you get Oppenheimer from the get-go. I didn't really know Robert Downer Jr.'s role. I didn't watch any trailers. I came in so blind. I, if you had asked me beforehand, I might've said, I don't know, he's one of like the scientists that helped him and it was a two-prong approach. What'd you think of the way things worked out with the almost a... A, you know, a Joker and Batman, if you want to make a, a, a yeah, revelation was, to Dark Knight. 
he was one of the villains of the movie, if not the the main villain. And yeah. I thought that he was a good guy going into the movie. I didn't think he was going to play that role. Um, I'm I'm really happy that I went into the film without knowing really what ended up happening. Obviously, I know that he created the atomic bomb, uh, and I just I had no idea that that it was going to involve the government corruption aspect of yeah. it, which was really cool that I didn't know that that was happening. Otherwise, I would have just expected it. And I wouldn't have been surprised that Downey Jr. was a villain. I wouldn't have been surprised that they were kind of like twisting his intentions a little bit. Um, And just a really cool story. I thought the way that they did it with the black and white going back and forth to, to the uh, congressional hearing. Um, I thought that was really cool to just kind of show you that that, that wasn't live, that that was kind of like a flashback, a flash forward, I guess. Um. So I thought that he did an amazing job. I don't know. I have no idea who's going to win best supporting actor or actress in this movie. It could go a million different ways. It could be Robert Downey Jr. It could be Matt Damon. It could be Emily Blunt. I thought, I thought Emily well, Blunt she'll, was marvelous. Yeah, I wonder if she'll be supporting. She'll be supporting. She has to be, no? I mean, he was the main yeah. character. No, but actress. You know, like, you're right. I don't know if there even would be a lead actress in this film then. I don't think she was. At least she, didn't, she didn't have enough enough speaking power in the movie it was it was right. mainly about him so i don't think that there was any other character in this movie that could be a main like a in a an, an actor and actress in a in a lead role besides killian who is undoubtedly going to win best actor josh i cannot wait for the vegas lines to come out on this for all of the disrespect that our beloved tommy shelby has gotten in award season year after year it is going to be as lopsided unless you know, unless there's a contender coming up in the next no, few months, no I, I don't see it's, it. I think it's going to be already, like minus four hundred. It's already given to him. He's he's going to win it. I'm I'm so happy. He was he was incredible. He played the role so well. He got. How about got, his accent? What about the yeah, American accent? I was going to say it's the first time that I've really. I don't think in Inception he had an American he accent, did. right? I think I think. Or maybe in Scarecrow he did too. I think he did. He's had it, it but it's never really been pronounced. Bro, this was this was incredible acting. Um. He was so good. He was so witty. Um, Major really kind of, and I'm not falling in love, I and mean, he was kind of a dick, but at times he wasn't the greatest guy in the world, but he made you sympathize with him over what, what ended up happening. Obviously, if you haven't seen Oppenheimer, don't listen to what we're saying, but he got fucked. He got so fucked, <laughs> and it, it was pretty frustrating at times that he wasn't the kind of guy to, like, he was so, like, reserved in the way that he spoke and, 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 and the way that his, like, aura was and his personality there were so many times where like, if it was, if that was me and I was being gaslit and scapegoated by the government to, to, to for something that I didn't do, I would have started yelling and, and firing back, but just, he was even keel, just the kind of way that Oppenheimer was. Um, but, but Killian Murphy was, he was just so good from start to finish. He, there's just the way that he evolved, like, like as the character evolved, you saw Killian Murphy's, you know, acting evolve a little bit as well. Um, but he was so good. I think Christopher Nolan might be the only one that's not on our like peaky hive that has had his eye on Killian Murphy, right, right? For years and years. And it was really cool, Josh, how they did the triple timeline like we did, like we saw in Dunkirk. And I I kind of was a little confused in like the eight, nine minute mark of the movie. And then I caught on realizing that it was another timeline, right? Like they kept bringing in other timelines and then they kept referring to Oppenheimer embarrassing Strauss at that one hearing that was not in any of our timelines. So I'm like, okay, so there's four timelines and I, I was trying to, I was matching them up and then I got there and it, and it, and it sunk in well, very similar to how Dunkirk did. Uh, I didn't need a second viewing. I was so locked in, in the theater, never even thought about going to the bathroom. That was a win for me um, and my body holding 
uh, for yeah. that long with like a Coke icy. But Josh, I want I'm gonna open this one up. We're this is gonna require probably more than one podcast episode and i really want our fans to get involved so i really one question we'll ask different questions to you guys one question i really want to know and email us at b-o-o-t peaky blinders at gmail.com obviously you can join us over on patreon.com slash by order of peaky um and we can converse over on that that forum which is awesome five dollars a month did you guys know that there was gonna be a communist angle to this because i my history is clearly you know i didn't know that much about this storyline if you told me what's going to be the drama i'm going to say well there's going to be backlash about killing innocent people in a war i did not know there was going to be a bigger storyline that was this communist movement and it is a very divisive thing josh lives on the east coast i live on the west coast california is very much the same way it was back then so it was funny seeing these conversations and kind of thinking there's not too much wrong with some things they're saying, but the government was clearly on high alert that Russia was the enemy, even though it was kind of wrong. And and your your last point of of that whole entire statement is is kind of what it is. Communism is very loosely was very loosely thrown around, and it still is very loosely thrown around. The commun the commun the, the communism that um, Oppenheimer and all of his other compatriots were once in favor of, or his family was once in favor of is a lot different than the communism, let's say that you see in Cuba going on now. Right. It isn't like a dictatorship kind of communism. It's more of like a, a loose, like socialism aspect of communism where it's also, it's, but it's also way different than the socialism aspect of the Soviet Union or, or, or how that was in that time. So it, I think that communism has evolved and there's different sects of communism. I think it's just very loosely thrown around. So I think that a lot of people who don't really know that are like, oh, you know, Oppenheimer was a commie and he was, you know, he was in support of the Soviet Union and the Russians, and that's not really what it was. It's kind of more just anti-establishment, I guess, so to say anti-government, but not just saying like, F the United States, we want to bring down the government, we're, we're a part of a dictatorship. That's not what the message was. I don't want to go too into kind of what I've learned about history and what I've learned about Russia, kind of like defeating Hitler and, and right. in, in that way. Russia and America were very much on the same side against the Germans, but America didn't see that because mm -hmm. they were, you know, the government and, and the money, you know, involved in America was so hell bent on not letting Russia get nuclear war, you know, embattlements either. But it's just so interesting because then there's the other angle, which is the more humanistic side where if you ask anybody, hey, if you were Jewish and you were Robert Oppenheimer, wouldn't you want to kill Hitler as well? You know, so right. like when he brings in that aspect, it was so deeply seated. You you relate to one aspect and then you can relate to the other. And um, the actor that I thought gave the best performance, I'm not going to like throwing away Killian, the, right. the, you know, the supporting actor that I thought gave the best performance. Okay, here we're going. Are you going to say going. Josh Hartnett? What was the what was the character's name? I'm gonna have to go into it. The one with all of the mascara, you know, the the the, the Hispanic um, naysayer who was the the genius behind the hydrogen aspect of it. I'm going, oh yes, yes. What's his name? I uh, really was encapsulated every time he, he was. He was really. I, I think he was. Uh, he was. He was a German Jew. No, I don't. He was know. a German Jew that came that that was against the that was against communism was against you know, Germany and Hitler's rise. 
Um, I'm, I'm looking at the cast. There's just so many people. I can't even There's find so it. many, Josh. Oh, there I'm struggling. Is. Who um, is it? It is uh, Benny Safdi, uh, who played Edward Teller. Right. And, and you know, do you know who that is? I don't. That's the creator of Uncut Gems, the Safdie brothers. Oh, yes, yes. Josh Safdie's brother. Yeah. So Benny and Josh. Benny has actually starred in um, what the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. He was one of the main characters for an episode. So I had seen him act. Um, it was just, it blew me away. It, it just, he was, he was really good. And the really character, good. I'm going to have to go into Edward Teller and who Edward Teller really was, but who was the one? Cause there were such a cool list. You mentioned Josh Hartnett, who was, uh, I thought he was amazing. I, I think he's really great. good. He um, kinda, he, he's kind of had like a late resurgence of his career again. I mean, he was in uh Pearl Harbor back in way back in the day. Yeah, that was one a good of my, one. one of my, one of my most underrated favorite movies. He, yeah. That that he made me cry like that. That movie made me cry. Um, I thought he was. I mean, we gotta we gotta shout out Josh Peck. I mean, do we have to though? This is like, this was is he like, the worst part of the movie or no? This is like the new bit going on, and it's kind of annoying that people are like kind of magnifying Josh Peck's role. Um, because they're like, oh, like, how funny Josh Peck was in Drinking Josh, and blah blah blah. It's like, okay, well, like, you know, that was a long time ago and he's allowed to be in serious things. Obviously it was a very small role, but he, de- he, he yeah. detonated the bomb. <laughs> I just, no, that's not actually what he did. Hold on. I don't know if he's it was actually a test bomb. good. I don't know if he's actually good at being in these roles. I watch him on how I met your father. He's a main character. One of the, you know, one of the people that pop up a lot. He's very good in like the joking roles. He, I will, I'm going to be honest. He took me out of it a little bit, you know, because it's just like, same thing if like Adam Sandler popped up in this movie, a little, you know, just like that kind of vibe. Um, what he did is his job was to click the red button if the numbers went lower than the green light. So that he didn't actually press the button to go off. He never pressed the red button. I think he did. I think you're wrong. Okay. So I'm pretty happy with where I feel about this. What he was told is press that button to abort if the number goes under one mega, mega watt. So he was looking at the number the whole time. And if it went under the one, he would have aborted, but he never clicked the button. But it was funny how like in the... In the the buildup for it, you're right. It is funny how things can kind of bounce out. How about the the kid who played the aide, Aiden Enrich, um, who I had recognized, but I couldn't tell you where. And and he uh, he was incredible. He was really good. He was just really good. He's 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 gonna be a movie star if he wants to be. Like I don't know. He's like when he's on the screen, I really liked him every minute. He was he really talked. captivating when he spoke. He he did a really good job. Um, I I thought his character in general was awesome. Kind of going against Strauss, and he wasn't, you know, kissing his butt a little bit. But uh, he was the he was really huge at the end there. And then um, we got to go with Rami Malek as well. I mean, there was there was a point where I was like, is this a joke? Is he not gonna have a single line? And then towards the end of the movie, he is the most important character of the whole entire plot. So I thought he did an incredible job. Such a good actor. Really good job of making you think that he wasn't going to speak. And then he speaks with the most important part of, of, of the plot. I thought that was that was brilliant. And that was intentional, obviously. Unbelievable. The way that, that um, actors got picked and chosen to play small roles. And we're not, I mean, we... We've gone whatever fifteen minutes, and we haven't talked about Florence Pugh yet, she who great. who could great. lead an entire movie and has, and she was really good. was so tightly needed to play one specific role, and did it, and was and could have been on screen for another thirty minutes, and nobody would have complained. You know, was was the nudity needed? Who knows? 
I was surprised, honestly, because a lot of the times really renowned known actors and actresses opt to not refuse immunity. Um, so I was just, I mean, obviously it wasn't necessary, but like it's, it's a movie, like they can do whatever the hell they want. Um, I thought she was really great. Um, and I, I listened to it, uh, I, I watched a TikTok interview yesterday of how she got the role. Uh, Christopher Nolan basically was like, uh, I really want you to be in this movie. I understand if you're going to say no, it's a really, really small role. Like, I'm so sorry about how small the role is, but I really want <laughs> the movie. And she was like, I mean, like Christopher Nolan's asked me to be in a movie. I don't give a shit how small it is. I want to be in the movie. Um, and so that's how she kind of got invited to be in the movie. And she was really great, even though small character, very important. One day. Florence Pugh yeah. was on set for one day. I'm sure well, Rami Malek was there for like the, two hours. The whole movie was filmed in 90 days. Unbelievable. Incredible. Like that's that's just freaking incredible. I'm trying Called to find the name. Precision. Of, I'm trying to find the name of the lawyer, the actor who plays the lawyer. The, the, oh, the, that's our guy from Elf. The main prosecutor. Why can't I find him? I'm trying to. You find mean like his, his best, the best friend who like who comes up to him, or you know, when he's younger at the at the th- at the speech and doesn't speak Hungarian or whatever, the you, Dutch. Is that you talking about? Are you talking about in Oppenheimer? Yeah. No, he's the lead prosecutor. He's doing who's doing all the questioning. Oh, Jason Clark. Yes. Oh, yes, he well, was. I you he about was his friend who was the, the lawyer. Yeah. No, yeah. he was. Oh my God, he was so good. I thought Jason he was Clark. Great. He's great. Yeah. Jason Clark's great in everything. Kenneth Branagh. Who was the uh, the Niels? Um, what was his name? Niels uh, Niels Bohr, who yes. was the the one that they had to go. You know, he's the famous uh, in, inspector from uh, from Death on the Nile and and the, how about yeah? How about, the, the how about Dane DeHaan? Dane Dude, DeHaan. Casey Affleck coming out of nowhere for five he, minutes. Just so good, and, and he was like that intimidating uh, character. Um, I thought Dane DeHaan was really good. Uh, he 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 plays that role really well. He's also always a villain. What um, about what about Gary Oldman? I know it's just Truman. <laughs> Harry Truman was so good. Yeah, yeah. Just all. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the cast right now, and I have to go through like a toggle to go to to go through the whole entire list. He doesn't even you know doesn't even stay on my screen. I have to like literally go through a toggle list to yeah. Matt Damon. Know, just, Matt Damon was Matt Damon. He delivers. Um, so good. It was yep. really, really good. I do, I do want to almost save some of our takes for like answering questions, or maybe we have yep. another one um, that's oh, just kind of like going this? over certain topics. How about, Go ahead. How about um, the doctor from Stranger Things, the or the the, the uh, scientist from Stranger Things, who was uh, Eleven's initial father? Who, oh yeah, the villain. He was in this movie as well. Was he? Yeah, he was. Um, the white, yeah, the white-haired guy. Yeah, he he was he was in this movie. He was he was great. Just so many, so many good. David Des Des Desmalkian. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's in a bunch of things. He's always playing a bad guy. Tom Conti plays Albert Einstein. I thought I thought the Albert Einstein wrinkle was really cool. I did not know that Albert Einstein was going to be a focal point in this movie. Um, one that question. was awesome. I I also didn't did, realize. Not to interrupt you, I did not realize. I just didn't put the years together, and I'm sure a lot of people are with me. You're like, wait, Albert Einstein was alive during World War II? I like totally thought I he know, was from like the I 1800s. Well, I, I knew I knew that him and uh, Oppenheimer were, were friends just from like a nugget that I heard prior to the movie. Did you stay after the movie for the post for the post credit scene? Was there one? No, there was apparently. And I, I saw I you saw didn't stay either. No, I didn't. But it's basically how he uh, discovers invents quantum theory equals MC square. I don't know how that oh. has anything to do with with Oppenheimer. Just, just a hat tip, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's what maybe maybe a sequel. Who knows? Um, but uh, he was he was really good. I thought that his 
his his acting that the actor was did a really good job of portraying Albert Einstein. It's exactly how I, I envisioned he he would be in real life. Um, yeah, I loved the friend David Crumholtz, who I was mentioning from Elf, who was like the he was like the little elf in Elf, you know, as a kid. And he's he's been in a lot of stuff recently. Um, he was in Billions, right? Yep. And then and then he was in uh, The Deuce, and um, just recently saw him in White House Plumbers that I was talking up about. If you haven't listened, uh, if you want to go join our uh, Patreon, we got our top ten shows of the first half of the year where I had uh, White House Plumber. Yeah, Shameless no plug. worries. David like David Dast Malkian. I don't know. I'm looking just, at this guy. I, I just mentioned like, him. He's yeah, been you, in a. He bunch... said he was in Stranger Things. No, no, I'm think I'm talking that that's Matthew uh, Modine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah, yes, he, yes, I do, I do remember him, and yes, you're right. He was the what do they call him, father, papa, or whatever in Stranger Papa, Things. papa, he's papa, yeah. Um, but just, I mean, there's so many. I, we can go on. We can, we can have an hour long, but this is kind of like an instant reaction podcast. Exactly. Um, we'll, we'll obviously go deeper into some aspects of the movie. Maybe some subplots we can get into. Maybe we can do a killing an Emily Blunt kind of. Uh, episode i don't know but just eventually i'm gonna have to watch yeah. dark, a, a dark place because that's that's the OG. quiet place the, quiet place oh, shit. yeah a quiet yeah. place um or, but i will two, say obviously. this is definitely a movie that you need to see more than once to pick up on some things that you probably didn't remember or or, or catch like like this is a movie that i want to see like three or four times yeah i agree it's similar like i mean i would say when i first watched inception in theaters i didn't think it was that amazing after rewatching it over and over again, I thought, wow, this movie's freaking incredible. Um, Dark Knight, I left the movie thinking this movie's incredible. But this movie, I left thinking it was absolutely incredible. But I'm really excited for, for the rewatch. And Dunkirk's a good example. I remember loving Dunkirk yep. way more in, in the second watch than the first. I'm not even mm -hmm. sure I understood the difference in timelines. I just thought I was just like being overwhelmed. Um, I do. I have a weird take on this. And I'm curious, you and then the listeners as well. It's interesting and, and it's obviously timing-wise and everything, but the big push about IMAX and IMAX 70 millimeter is very convenient to me. I think the timing of it is financially backed by IMAX. Like, I just do I just do believe that, like, they were like, hey, we really need to make a resurgence. Let's really bolster how much better we are than everything else. And it, But it's funny, of all of the Christopher Nolan movies, I'm going to say this is one of the least that I thought needed to be seen you know, there were there were what twenty minutes of the three hours that were like aesthetically unbelievable, but it was eighty five percent men talking in rooms. This movie, yeah, but I think that the IMAX aspect of it that was necessary was for the sound. There were yeah. times in the movie that when they it was just like my ears were shaking, like the the theater was shaking, and that's where I thought it was important. That's I agree with that's you, valid, but, but I do think that for the one moment where the bomb gets launched and we're just sitting there. And and we're we're looking at the flames like necessary Sick. out of yeah, this world necessary right. it should One be necessary scene. to have yeah. IMAX right so I uh, to an extent I agree with you did you watch also, on IMAX yes I did I did oh see I did not I, oh you saw a regular there's no I I, I told you the small mm, town right right well I was trying to get I was trying yeah. to get the uh, seventy uh, millimeter or whatever oh really 70 yeah seventy millimeter whatever. yeah you got it yeah sorry I didn't know if I was I was like millimeter no, maybe it made you it seem it. like it was smaller. <laughs> um well think you, about you, that's the tape i mean that's the film yeah right the 70 millimeter there's only like one like fort lauderdale i'm in miami so it's yeah. like not, and it's, and it's, it's booked till august 10th sold out till august 10th yeah no so, way um but apparently also i watched the tiktok about it is that like unless you're like a, a crazy cinephile yeah, you, you can't, can't really tell. notice the difference between imax and 70 millimeter so uh i it was it was worth it 
especially for that scene, there were definitely a couple scenes. I don't know about you where I jumped. Like I, I, I was like, yeah, I, it, it was, and, un- it was yeah. unbelievable movie. Um, some people had complained online about not being able to hear much like tenant. I will say I saw tenant in theaters and I heard about 60% of that movie. Hate just hate it. I was like this, just, you know, sometimes you just watch a movie even on Netflix and the sound mixing's off. So it's like yeah. the, the, the fight scenes are at an eight out of 10. And then the talking scenes are at a three out of 10 and it just fucks it up. I didn't feel that at all in this movie. I, I thought I heard every single word. So clearly the people were maybe in theaters that are not, you know, well-equipped sound-wise. Yeah. Like the theater I was in just happened to have good good audio, you know? it's like, Yeah, I also, I mean, I, I mentioned to this you earlier, this is kind of just like a general audience world thing now. Go, 20, go in, Josh. 2023, like there are some people that are saying that the movie was not good for the fucking sake of being different and for being a contrarian. And it's just so goddamn annoying. It happens to every, it happens to every TV show that comes out. It's, it honestly started with the game of Thrones thing. Um, whenever game of Thrones was out, everyone, when it, when everyone was hooked on it, like not like the first like four or five seasons sit like, like, like after that, everyone started hating on it for the sake of hating. And that's like a, that's like a world problem. As you said, this is what Daniel said. He goes, he goes, that's just earth. And I'm like, yeah, it's really annoying. Right? Well, I'm just, yeah. I can't take people <laughs> complaining about things for the sake of complaining. And that's where like we're getting with this. Like I, I watched a couple like um social media people that that you and I follow, like in the sports world as well, that like think that they have to dip into the television and, and movie stupid. universe. They're and they, they're like, oh, it, it was a flop. Uh I, I could have done with the last hour of the movie. It's like, what what do you mean you could have done with the last hour of the movie? That was like the most important part of the movie. You wouldn't have seen what happened. So I just thought that like a, a lot of takes about it have just been really stupid. Like just like stand up, give your applause and just move on and, and, and appreciate the, the best movie we've seen in years. All right. So Edward Teller was a Hungarian Jewish man who then moved to Germany to learn. So you, you were you spot on. Um, right. Oh, yeah. Benny Safdie. I just loved it. It was definitely a lot of I. Eye makeup, you know, it it, took, yeah. it almost took me out of some scenes, but I'm like, maybe that's just who that person is. And I'm looking at pictures and it's like, obviously in a movie like this, they're not just going to like randomly add a bunch of mascara onto a man um, out of nowhere. I, I do want to talk about one more aspect of this movie. I, the end was nice. Happy endings are nice. Um, was there, you know, it's like, were there any other parts of the movie that you wanted like a deeper exploration into like I, I could have watched the five hour cut. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think I, I could have watched more of the communism part. I really could have watched right when they started Los Alamos. I was locked in. I'm like, okay, now we're getting to our movie. And I kind of peeked at my phone to see what time it was just so I can get mm. a track of like the acts. Cause like act one had ended the Florence Pugh, you know, lurch into communism. Yeah. And then, and then act two, I would have liked more of, of, I don't know, honestly, both. I would have liked more insight into what happened. Like, obviously we know what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but they didn't show anything. Yeah. I thought that was tasteful. I'll be honest. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously no one wants to see like horror, like, like the horror. That was obviously a terrible time in, in, in the world. Um, but maybe just like, maybe like seeing the bomb actually launched, but not like landing, like, you know? Yeah. I mean, we had, so, we, you're right. We've seen pictures of that plane that has like the smiley face and all that. And then it's like leaving. So right. it would have been bad. Maybe, um, maybe just like a little more of like world reaction to that. And like, the bomb was dropped and then like people died. And it's like, I guess, I guess on the flip side, devil's advocate to that, to that point is that back then they didn't have TV. There was, there was no there social media. Right. Yeah. So like we, like they listened to the radio and they're like, a bomb has been dropped and a lot of people have died. And it was like, 
oh shit, that's kind of true. That is how they like heard their news. That was something so, that scared the shit out of me. I thought that was like a jump scare. I was like, oh my God, this happened out of nowhere. I thought they were going to, yeah. And I'm sure that was the feeling for Oppenheimer and his crew, Josh. Um, I'm going to say one thing. And I was totally tricked in the weeks leading up. I follow a lot of critics on social media and mm. I had seen a lot of people come out and say, this is a horrific film. Like I left the film shaking. It shook me to my core. It was as scary as it gets. It was as visual as it gets. So I, believing them, told my friends, I was like, guys, just be prepared. Because we went in a group of five, six people. Be yeah. prepared for like some of the most gruesome visuals you'll ever see. I thought for sure we were going to like dissect the human body leading up to it. I thought they were going to like somehow like test stuff. You know, I, I don't know. It's like a, I did. And it was none of that. We didn't even see, I mean, you're right. Sorry. There was one scene. There was the crazy, super loud speech scene where the people become corpses. And that was pretty, yeah. that was pretty jarring, but I thought there was going to be more of that. So I, I, I will say some soft ass critics saying that they that left they the movie. Like, like they were the over, ex yeah, yeah exaggerated. They're talking yeah. about like, like, like the concept of the fact that they could blow up the world. <laughs> So to say, like they could, and that's what the whole entire point of yeah. the Albert Einstein interaction was, which I was curious the whole time is what the hell was that conversation? Basically said, we have the ability, the, the United States has the ability to, to blow up the world. They really wanted to start this chain reaction, which is freaking crazy. Like they, they, like that can happen now. Like, like wow. we have the weapons of like, and not only us, other nations too, have the ability because of this man's thought, he didn't intend for it, but he. He thought he didn't know what it was going to be used for. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb. It would have been discovered by the Germans. Exactly. Or, you know, like, I, I don't believe that it's like if Oppenheimer never got there, nobody would have. Right. A hundred percent. It's just, yeah. it's just like we have to do it before, before Hitler gets it. Cause he's going to use it for a lot worse things than, than, yeah. than we are. Um, And I don't want to say that like, you know, we had to drop the bomb on, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but I mean, it, 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 there was there was a, a point for for a greater purpose, you know, and, and like obviously I wish there was ways that, that we could rewrite history and not kill innocent lives. But um, it's kind of like it was a different time then. Like like we, you and I have never been a part of a world war before, but just imagine what that was like back then. Like there was only a means to an end to end the war. And it was it was a, a cog in the machine to end the war. So like even though he felt that his his work was being put to bad use. Um, it, it did at the end of the day, you know, continue the, the drive to end the war. It's really interesting. I don't think, and there's another, like Daniel may not be the brightest in history. If you had asked me and I want to know you guys at home, I want to hold you all accountable, whether you're from, you know, different countries or in America, if you asked me, Hey, Daniel, like even like four months ago, like where in the world's landscape of the war was the atomic bomb dropped? I would not have said after Hitler died. Right. Right. Like that's just, I just didn't realize it. I, to be honest. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Like a totally different conflict. And yes, Japan probably would have fought for a long time. So it's just one of those things. And I really liked the way they showed that it was just the way that us as an audience watch them take away the, 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 the big box from Los Alamos. And then basically like, it's completely out of your control. We're like, wait, we can't see any more of this stuff. It, it, they did a, Christopher Nolan did a great job doing that making that like a movie. And then I'll, I'll finish on this, Josh, the way that Christopher Nolan turned the tides on us as a viewer. I did not suspect Robert Downey Jr.'s character 
for setting up Oppenheimer in this, you know, mini like trial with these fake, you know, investigate, you know, like it, whatever you want to call it, the cabinet to, to reappoint him for his security clearance. I did not suspect it. So when it was revealed, it was a legitimate plot twist and it was a really good one for me i don't know about you if it was like 100 before then i was not really seeing downey as too much of a villain and maybe it's because it was downey iron man it was just really good yeah 100 percent. even in the beginning of the movie i thought he was like he was doing yeah. stuff for good like he he i mean he hired him to make yeah. this be thinking that and he, he was pushed gonna, him yeah right and then he started going deep into what he was and he was kind of going against what he wanted downey's own initiative downey's own mo and then that's when things took a turn. And uh, I was not expecting that at all. It was amazing. Um, feel bad that Oppenheimer kind of went through that process because it was super fucked. Um, but it's it's it was super interesting. And I I did not I didn't think there was gonna be like a political government, like a US government political twist to the movie. And that's what like that's why it was like so good because everyone's like, oh, it's just making of the bomb. He's gonna blow up the world and he's gonna drop a bomb on, on Japan, and that's the movie. But no, it was way more than that. And it was also dissecting him as a human being. Like he was fucked up internally. You know, he wasn't, he almost poisoned his, his, his professor. Like, you know, like he was <laughs> not was a normal great. dude. Like, he was not a normal dude. That was great. When, uh... But he also like, there's a lot of underlying themes in this that we can go way deep into that into another deep dive another day. There was a lot of like, a lot of themes in the, in, in the movie that he had like evil powers but he didn't want to use like his evil powers for evil things. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he correct. was so brilliant. Like he, for example, he uh, compartmentalized right. it. Right. Exactly. He had, he 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 knew how to how to poison his science teacher. You know, with 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 certain with certain medicines or it was a potassium cyanide something. Yeah, with yeah. certain chemicals. He, but he, he was about to do it and he decided not to do it. He he invented the atomic. No, bomb. no. What happened is the famous Dutch guy was the one who was going to eat it and I yeah was... i know but yeah but yeah but he also ran back to grab the apple oh yeah right you know what i'm saying like yeah, it's yeah. kind of a theme like like okay like he has these moments where he's evil but then he's wow, like wow i didn't even comprehend that really. his That's inner a good conscious call. is like i need to not do that because i i'm not evil so i think that there's a lot of themes in, in the movie a lot of underlying themes about oppenheimer in general that uh kind of relate to that and I think the best point of this entire episode, and Josh, I'm just going to go out. Let's start patting each other on the back. I think this is our best episode in a very long time. I Agreed. think we both came very all in. And your point, I'm going to give it the crown. The, the fact that there was no such thing as public opinion back then. It doesn't really, it didn't really exist truly right. until the advent of television. A little bit radio maybe, but like, there is no like, oh, America hated that we dropped the bomb. You know, there's a little protest here and there, but imagine a movie if it was like Oppenheimer with social media, right? Or like, you know, right. the different things that go on now with all of the public opinion that's being swayed and, you know, Mission Impossible, I will say, highly recommend. Second best movie of the year, probably. I just saw them back to back, you know, in a couple of days separate. And they did a good job, in, you know, going into like AI is the villain in that one. There's like a really right. well-manufactured AI that uses public opinion and social media to sway everything. And right. that's like the whole different, that's what the war is now with, as opposed to back then where it's like, is he a communist? Are we going to go into that? Right. Well, that was also another thing is that the, the creator of AI was just recently interviewed. And he said, I mean, like AI is not the atomic bomb, but... It's it's similar that he invented AI because he could he knew how to invent it he knew but he didn't 
intend for it to be used in the way that it's being used, putting people out of jobs. Uh, people are getting too codependent on AI and they're not really, it's kind of uh, inciting laziness in the world. So he kind of, it was similar to Oppenheimer was like, he had the true intentions and he created this, this, this amazing concept, but it's being used entirely different than what his original intentions were for the technology. So that's also like a theme in the world is that you can have the, the purest intentions in the world and that it might not, it might not always be what you intended it to be. Oh, what a good chat. Oppenheimer by Chris Nolan. Amazing. I think he's going to win a few Oscars. Top for 10 this for me one. of all time. Top 10 movie of all time for me. I, I, I just really enjoyed it. I, I know that's an overstatement. Maybe I'm, no, maybe I'm I don't a know. biased, but like just like thoroughly enjoyed the movie from start to finish. Um, it's, it's, it's a film. You, you guys know that I differentiate movies and films. It's not a movie. It's a film. The fascinating but you just said it was a top 10 movie. Film. Sorry. It is a fascinating and compelling piece of cinema that uh, you will not want to avert your eyes. Uh, I'm so excited to keep on breaking it down and watch it again. Uh, just, just so well done. It's stoked for me to know that Nolan has this deal with Max, right? Like it's going to go to Max in whatever, six, right. seven weeks. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be such a rewatchable. Our connection to Killian, based off of how many hours and hours we've dissected his, his TV, I think puts it on the top. And I, I rank every movie I watch and I've been doing it since like 2013. I just write down every movie, the year that I see it and I give it a ranking. And I've been really hesitant to go past nine and a half. And I've given a couple, I think Top Gun 2 really got a nine and a half last year. And I gave Oppenheimer a 10. I just, I pulled the trigger. It was so good. I could have watched it for five hours and I have become an old man with movies, Josh. I hate movies over two hours, over hour 30. And so it was great it was great. I would have been pissed off. This movie. I would have been pissed off if this movie was under three hours. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's nothing I could have taken I, away. Right. Maybe one of the meetings with Florence Pugh. Like, if you, really, if you really had to cut, but like, I, that's all. We that's don't all get to pick from a menu. And we'll there end it, it is. there. There we'll it is. There. Peace, Josh. I'm Daniel. We didn't see you don't have to.